Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, my name is Isaac, host of In Doubt. If you're new to In Doubt and have never heard of us before, we're all about bringing the gospel to the many relevant issues of life and faith that we face every day, cultivating conversation. From the super practical things like dating, what to do about alcohol and marijuana and worldviews, to the more theological things like gospel and evangelism and so on. Every week we release a new conversation with a Christian leader from around the world who has a sort of expertise in that subject or topic. If you head to our website, you'll find every conversation we've had since January 2016 covering many different topics and issues. We're on iTunes podcasts, obviously, so subscribe, rate, and review our show there. We're also on Google Play Music and other podcast providers. Anyways, this week I have the great privilege of talking with Jonathan Parnell. He'll explain a bit more about who he is in our conversation. He recently wrote a book called Never Settle for Normal. So our conversation moves around the ideas of his book. The idea is, so often we settle for what Jonathan calls normal, which he's going to explain, and that we ought to be finding our ultimate joy in the gospel of Christ. So no matter who you are, where you are, what job you have, how far away you live from a big city, just no matter where you're at at all, Ultimate joy can be found in the glory of God in the gospel. So here's my conversation with Jonathan. With me today is Jonathan Parnell. Jonathan is a pastor and an author, and he's been closely affiliated with the Ministry of Desiring God, which many of you have heard of. Uh, Thanks for being here today, Jonathan. Hey, Isaac, good to be here. Thanks. Um, what we love to do, and I, many interviews start like this because I think it's just good so people get to know who you are. Um, h- how did you meet Jesus, Jonathan? Yeah, oh, great question. I was yeah. <laughs> blessed, blessed to grow up in a, a family um, who um, j- just is, uh, believes the gospel, uh, a family that very involved in the local church and so grew up. Uh, that was just a part of life and uh, heard the gospel at an early age and and at the early age um, of about eight years old, I, I believed and and then was baptized and then, um, you know, went through high school and, and kind of the ups and downs of trying to, to learn how to take my faith seriously. And then when I was eight, 17, 18 is when um, I, just a few things, I got into a car accident. God used that to really wake me up, get my attention. And uh, and that that really just changed my life. So I began to read the Bible, you know, and, and pursue God. And, and that's where I really began to experience, you know, the, the transforming power of the gospel. So I was about 18 when that went out, when God began to do that. And then from there it came up, I sensed a call into vocational ministry and, and uh, into moving to Minnesota. And, and, uh, and yeah, here we are 10 years later. Yeah, that's so good. Now is a uh, vocational ministry like run in your family or were you sort of the pioneer of that? Yeah. You know, it it doesn't. Um, there is definitely a Christian heritage that runs in my family on both sides, my mom and my dad's, and, and we grew up. I grew up close to both sides of my family, but but um, but I was yeah. I'm one of the 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 uh, the first to really sense a, a call into vocational ministry. Cool. That that's that's awesome. Um, so what does your life look day to day, just kind of in the present? I saw on your uh, just little mini bio on Desiring God that you have seven children, and that's that's a lot of children. So you're a pastor and you're an author. So yeah, what does your life look like right now? 
Yeah, you know, I'm glad you asked that because I should say for, for context right now I'm at home uh, in, in my study in my basement and uh, it's summertime. So our, all our seven kids are at home right. <laughs> and then we send them outside in the summertime, but I do hear some footsteps uh, above me. And so um, I think they're in and out. But, okay, uh, but yeah, yeah we have, my, my wife and I, we have, we have seven, seven kids. We have um, uh, our oldest daughter is nine. And so seven kids under the age of nine. Oh we've my goodness. Been married just over 10 years. So we, we, um, yeah, so our two youngest are our children that we are currently fostering um, to adopt. So we're in the process of adopting um, a seven-month-old and a six-month-old, and uh, and so yeah, but but yeah, no, we our day to day is uh, I'm either in my study doing some you know doing deep work where I'm out meeting with folks and uh, trying to connect and and uh, and that's kind of that rhythm. And then um, summers are pretty fun, laid back. You know, we go to the pool sometimes in the evenings or. Or we'll try to hang out and grill out and play some wiffle ball and stuff like that in the backyard. So that's awesome. All right. So, um, Jonathan, you wrote a book called Never Settle for Normal, The Proven Path to Significance and Happiness. So the first question that comes to my mind is just what's wrong with normal? So if you're saying never settle for normal, what's wrong with normal? And and I guess what exactly are are you referring to as normal? That you know, I'm glad you asked that. That that is really the question that that um that I think a lot of folks probably wonder when they when they see the title. And so I try to get to the answer right away in the first chapter. And and basically, what what I'm I'm trying to explain is normal is not is not menial things. It's not it's not mundane existence. It's not taking the trash out and you know buying stamps to send out your Christmas card. It's not those those sorts of things. I mean, those are good things for us. What I mean by normal is more like the cultural mindset that has has kind of moved in uh, in North America. And it, it's a mindset that basically has taken God out of the equation. We so this is how we how we conceive of reality, how we how we think about the world. Uh, we just have not. God doesn't have a seat anymore. And that's kind of we. We, so, uh, you know, in Psalm 14, Psalm says that it's the fool who says there is no God. So it's foolish to believe there's no God. And so a worldview, a mindset that believes there's no God, I think is foolish. And so I, I explain that this this new normal is actually like a, it's a stupid normal. It's this uh, it's this we, we live in this 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 stupid normal uh, mindset that um, that reality can be what it is apart from God. And so. I'm saying to to my, my readers, we should not settle for that. That's not okay. You know, it's not okay for us to try to do life um, apart from God. And so that's what I'm talking about that we don't want to settle for. Yeah, and, and that's good. And, you know, it's interesting because when you say that, I'm thinking, well, churches, obviously, I mean, they believe in God. But, I mean, the, the reality is, is this stupid normal has crept into the church. Yes, absolutely. And, that, and that's, I mean, one of the reasons why I think, uh, it's become so prevalent. Um, this this whole stupid normal is because uh, too many Christians have have settled for it. Too many Christians have have compromised, and rather than than doubling down their faith, they have really, in a sense, compromised it. Um, and and that's where I, I want you know. I just was I just wrote a new article yesterday for Desiring God. I just published yesterday Desiring God's website and. And one of the things I just mentioned there is one of the most important things for us is to not do nothing. 
Um, and it's just kind of complacent sitting back, kind of settling for um, uh, this new mindset. I just think we see which is unacceptable. And so uh, I'm trying to encourage Christians, trying to, to encourage um, my readers to, to, uh, to one way I've described it is, is re-mythologize the world. And I didn't come up with that term. Basically, <laughs> the idea is, is, you know, if we've taken God out of, of the way we view the world, we've, you know, demythologized the world. The world, which used to be conceived of, especially by Westerners, well, by everyone in the world, but, but Westerners used, used to conceive of the world uh, as an enchanted reality. There is a spiritual world. There, there, there is more going on than we can see. And what's happened in the last, and there's, there's brilliant men who have written about this, and I, I'm just leaning on them, really. But, but in the last, you know, hundred years, how, um, how this, this, the Western view of reality has changed, and, and it's not enchanted, and, and, uh, and, uh, and so we've, in one sense, uh, vacuum. You know, we've, we've just vacuumed out all the the uh the thoughts of god in reality and so i want to say hey we need to double down and reinfuse the way we see the world um with the reality of god and uh and so you know that yeah that's that's what i it's you know one level i feel like man you know this is um a really deep complex thing uh that we're called to do that we're, we're we're you know supposed to be doing here i think as christians and on the other hand it's like it's very simple it's it's like god is real you know, yeah, he's active good. and he's near, and and I just want to live life with that, you know, on the tip of my tongue and in, in the front of my mind, and so um, yeah, that's what I'm hoping readers can come away with. That that's really good. So let, let's dig into this a little bit, and I guess into your solution. But as we get there, um, you talk about humans, how all humans are are glory chasers and pleasure seekers or happiness seekers. So. I guess the first question is, can you explain glory? It's, it's one of those words that we say all the time in church, but oftentimes it's misunderstood. We talk about glory as like, you know, we praise God for his glory, but then we're saying we need to glory in our, all this stuff. So yeah, explain glory. Yeah. So, you know, the word in Hebrew for glory just means heaviness or weight. And so at that level, glory just, it's just significance. It's just, uh, it's uh, it's it's a heaviness. What matters, right? Um, when it comes to to God's glory, um, God's glory is the expression of His manifold perfection. So, the way to think about His glory, you have you know God's holiness, which is the sum of all His attributes. Um, who God is in His essence, He is holy. He is not like us, and yet that holiness, which is so beyond us and not like us, it is a holiness that He reveals. That we can know that God is not like us means that God has revealed himself to us. And so the expression of his holiness, the shining forth of God's holiness, that is God's glory. And so uh, when we think about God, we think about the expression of all that God is, the, the weight, the heaviness, the significance of God that we can see and understand. And then when we think about our own selves, you know, the psalmist used this language talking about that 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 God is their glory, hmm. that that our own, our significance is bound up in God's significance and who God is and in His worth, and so yeah. Okay, yeah. So because Jesus, you know, says things like deny yourself, you know, uh, the idea to then kind of seek for glory. I mean, you just sort of said that our glory is 
God. But I guess a lot of people could sort of get that mixed around and have a more of a selfish, sinful idea that they're seeking for glory for themselves and they're seeking for pleasure for themselves. So, you know, what does the Bible say about that? Where should our glory be in, which you've already said is God, but we can just elaborate on that. And then also the idea of seeking for pleasure at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, the person who has explained this the best is, is, uh, is Pastor John Piper. And so I, I, you know, influenced by him and am trying to uh, follow in that same stream of thought and, and explain this reality that um, <laughs> the, the, the combination, the, the, the intermingling of, of God's glory and, and of our joy. And if God's glory is the display of who he is, the display of his holiness, that display is meant to be received by his creatures. And, and, and it's meant to be delighted in. So God displays his glory so that we, his creatures, might delight in his glory. And, 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 when the, and because there's such a, um, an, an intermingling and, and, and partnership between the, the shining forth of God's glory and our own happiness and our own joy, then it means we can say in a very real way that God is most committed to the very thing that will give us most joy. And that is his glory. So God, we know God is committed to his glory. We know God, that is his, his utmost allegiance is to the expression of who he is. And that is what satisfies our hearts. That is what we were created by God to enjoy him and to worship him and to know him and to find our meaning in him. And so when we do, that brings us joy and that glorifies, magnifies God. Right. That's so good. Now, I, I guess now to to be able to experience that, um, experience God's glory to bring you satisfaction and pleasure, how does the gospel story, which is a true story, how does it give us the hope and the reality of this glory and this pleasure? So maybe, maybe flesh out exactly what the gospel is and then bring in the glory and the pleasure as you go throughout. Yeah, the gospel is the amazing, astounding, bewildering news that Although we as God's creatures uh, whom he made in his image and likeness, although we have rejected him and sought for our, our significance and our happiness and everything but him, he has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And all of our sins, all of our shame, all of our guilt that we deserve to be punished for, Jesus took all of that upon himself. And on the cross, he suffered the wrath that we deserved. He was crucified, dead, buried, and then on the third day, he was raised from the dead victorious over sin, over death, ascended to the Father's right hand, enthroned as king over all the nations, and he is a king who is coming again, a king who will judge the world in righteousness. And um, what, what may, how that connects then to our joy, how that connects to our significance is that um, humans, although we were made to enjoy God and to find our meaning significance in God, we failed in every way that we failed. Jesus came and, and he prevailed and succeeded. And, and where we were faithless, he was faithful. Where we were disobedient, he was obedient. Where we turned to look for um, joy and ultimate joy in other things, Jesus was completely satisfied and happy uh, with the Father and his sufficiency. And so Jesus, having lived, not just died for us, but lived for us and was righteous and perfect for us, um, he blazed for us a new humanity, not like Adam, right, who fell, 
but a, a new humanity defined by who he is. And so what we have in the cross is this great exchange of, of our sin and our failure Jesus takes, and then his righteousness and perfection, this new humanity that he has blazed the trail for. We get invited into that, and so we share in his righteousness. We share in his life, just like we share in his death and resurrection. And so um, we, we know that because of Jesus, um, because of, of the life that he lived, the death that he died, we can experience this joy that God created us to experience. And, and we see, you know, we see you know, how we see the glory of God in the cross. You know, Jesus' work was both, you know, redemptive and revelatory. It's not only is he saving us, but he's showing us something about who God is. And he's shown us that God is just. He, he does judge sin. And God is also merciful. And he's merciful in that Jesus was judged in our place. And, uh, and so in, in that, you know, we're just blown away. We're just blown away by the grace of God, uh, which was so definitively shown to us in the cross and resurrection of Jesus. And, and that is the way to joy. That is the way to meaning. That is the way to, to, to getting back to what God intends for us as humans. So would it be, that was really good. So would you say that the stupid normal is in a sense seeking after significance and, and glory and pleasure and satisfaction in anything but Christ, which sometimes it lasts, sometimes it doesn't. And then the godly, I don't know what the what you say in your book is, is the opposite, but let's say the godly normal or what is right is seeking for those things in in Christ and what he's done on the cross. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like this. And the, the, the dilemma we're in is that everyone has this innate craving for significance and, and happiness because God created us to be there. Again, we have this, you know, we were made um, in God's image and likeness to to be satisfied with all that he is for us, to to love him and worship him and enjoy his fellowship. That's, you know, being with him, his nearness. That's why we're made. Now, sin, it, it messed all that up. Sin separated us from God. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and what's happened is not only has it just, you know, it's broken this fellowship we have with God, but it's kind of disoriented us when it comes to, we still have this innate sense of, of we, we want to be happy and we want to matter, but right. we don't, we don't, we don't know where to find it now. We're lost. And that's what lostness is. We have this, this craving for joy and, and significance and, and we don't know where to go. And so um, what's happened now, take that innate craving for joy and happiness. And I think a culture that says God is not real. There, there, there is no ultimate reality. There is no absolute truth. And that makes us even more lost. We already are lost, but now we're, now we're lost and we're not even, you know, we're not, there's no, no help at all when it comes to this searching and, and this trying to find our way. Um, because um, the one who we can, you know, we're, we're, we're created to find ultimate joy in, he's been completely disregarded. And so that, that would be the stupid normal. The stupid normal would be, you know, we have this craving for happiness and significance, and yet we have completely removed the very one who can satisfy that craving um, in how we think about the world and how we see reality. Um, and so, yeah, so what, what we would say, you know, the, 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 you know the, the beautiful, godly, holy, holy normal would be to, to understand, know that, of course, God is, God is the one, the only one who can satisfy our craving for joy and significance. 
And then when we understand that, I mean, it's not like, I mean, we, we still, again, have our lives are very mundane. So much of life is, is, is still, you know, these menial things, but we're doing these things reconnected to having fellowship with, with the one who ultimately satisfies our souls. And, and that's, and that's, you know, when I think about my own life, the, the sense of, of joy and the peace that is found in the gospel, that the Holy Spirit is working in my heart. Like I, I can't imagine for me going through anything without that, you know, without that reality, um, without that peace, without that experience of God's nearness. Um, and that's grace. That's grace. You know, that's grace. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's so good. Now I have a question then, um, stupid normal. I mean, obviously that's, it's, it's general and there's lots of different facets of that. So when you look at your church, uh, when you look at the broader evangelical North American landscape, what do you sort of see as a specific um, manifestation of the stupid normal in the lives of Christians today? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. I have to, I have to think about that. I mean, there's a few different things I could go. One would be would be entertainment. I mean, I'm thinking about entertainment because of you know the recent. Uh, you know, uh, excitement and controversy regarding the Game of Thrones. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, series that's come back on TV. I've never seen it. I've read enough about it to know I don't want to see it. Um, but even when it comes to entertainment choices, I think that we can, as Christians, uh, somehow, um, you got to be careful with this, but, but, um, uh, just this being able to basically digest media where the, the media, doesn't acknowledge God. There's just, you know, they, they have these you know alternative uh, worlds or, or, you know, these realities, and it can happen in the most basic sitcom. But it's basically where we just consistently digest things um, that show life, uh, and and God is not in the picture. There, there's a show my wife and I have watched, um, and uh, it, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a very well done. Um, has some 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 darkness, some real sin and guilt and things in it. Um, but the thing that, that makes it helpful for us is that they acknowledge God, and, and so there is a you know there's a Catholic priest in it. There's a church. There's this you know there's this there's this reality in 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 this program of there's something beyond us and deeper than us and higher than us. And it's when we 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 begin just to digest content over and over again that doesn't go there. I just don't think it's helpful. Uh, especially in the long run, so that's that's one thing. Obviously, there's there's so many other things. I think I think another thing when it comes to witness, um, we can be so tongue tied in the West because of um, just just afraid that we're going to offend people by our beliefs. Um, that that you know our, our beliefs are not popular in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to things like sexuality, which is such a hot topic in my city. And so we can we can just kind of tiptoe around things and 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 be very timid, and I just I just I, I want us to be humble, but at the same time I want us to have a confidence, a quiet confidence that we're we're the ones who, by God's grace, are reading this the right way, you know, like because we have the Bible, and so we don't have to be apologetic and timid and fearful and and uh, you know um, embarrassed by our our understanding of of these really important things because hey the bible you know the bible god tells us you know right 
Yeah. So, you know, going back to your first your first one, you're talking about the idea that entertainment really does immerse us in a whole bunch of ways to, you know, live your life that's completely contrary to what uh, God desires. So what would need to change? And I, I'm thinking specifically young adults, because that's primarily our audience uh, for this program. So what what would need to change in order for us to stop just receiving all this, like the eyes, the lamp of the body, right? So what would we need to do to begin immersing ourselves in the gospel? Yeah, that's, I think, I, I think that is the question, right? You got to bring this down. And, and I, I want to bring it down to understanding, sensing, recognizing, acknowledging the realness of God in the little moments of our everyday lives. You know, one of the things that we say at Cities Church is that Jesus is real. And, and one of the, I mean, my, the prayer, I think the, the most go-to prayer for myself and for our church is that Jesus be more real to us than anything else. Um, because I think all of our issues, all of our problems, they, they always start with something else being more real to us than Jesus. And it becomes it becomes more real, which means it becomes bigger and it begins to control us and enslave us. And and so we just want to remind ourselves over and over again that Jesus is real. He's a real person. And this real person has all authority in heaven and on earth. And and what it you know, what it means in, in just the daily, you know, the details and Monday moments of our day. And so in all the little ways that I think we have settled to live in that in, in that kind of world. I think we need to try to, to reinfuse, to, to remythologize our everyday moments. Um, even if it's, you know, your kid has a bad dream. Well, instead of just dismissing the bad dream and telling them to go to bed, pray that Jesus would be mighty for them and protect them and help them get a good night's sleep. You yeah. know, even little things like that. It's, that's so good. And that's that's such a good illustration, too, that, yeah, that, that really does help us understand that. So th- thank you so much, Jonathan. And, and to our listeners, if you're interested in Jonathan's book, Never Settle for Normal, The Proven Path to Significance and Happiness, uh, you can find it at DesiringGod.org or Amazon or, or anything like that. So And, and also, DesiringGod.org ha- has many of Jonathan's um, articles. So you can just search his name and you can... Uh, and read those as well. But anyways, thank you so much, Jonathan, for your time and your wisdom. And I I hope to have you back on the show again soon. I would love that. Thanks so much for having me, Isaac. It was a blast. Thanks. That was Jonathan Parnell. Again, just head to DesiringGod.org to find his book, Never Settle for Normal, and also read his articles. So he's been on there for a while. Hey, follow us on Facebook and Twitter throughout the week. We keep you updated with what's going on and what resources are available. It's also the best way to reach us if you have any questions, if you have comments, if you have guest suggestions. Maybe you, you know, you've been hearing somebody and you really like what they have to say about a certain topic. Uh, let us know. Or maybe you just have a topic suggestion. Maybe something's been on your mind and you just want to talk about it. Uh, let us know and maybe we'll talk about it as well. Uh, we take seriously every message that comes our way, so we'll definitely get back to you. Also, we'd love to hear how In Doubt has impacted you. So again, you can do that by messaging us on social media or emailing us at info at Well, that wraps up today's episode. We hope you join us next week as we host another conversation on life and faith. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
In Doubt is a ministry that exists to engage young people with biblical truth and provide answers for many of today's questions of life, faith, and culture. Through audio programs, articles, and blogs, In Doubt reaches out to encourage, strengthen, and disciple young adults. To check out all the resources of In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca in Canada or indoubt.com in the U.S. Or if you're in a position or share a passion for the ministry of young people, you can support the ongoing mission of engaging a new generation with the truth of the Bible. First, you can pray for this ministry. And second, and if you are able, please consider a financial gift by visiting indoubt.ca in Canada or indoubt.com in the U.S. Your gift of any amount is such a blessing and an answer to prayer. Thanks.